0: Welcome, folks, to Onto Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And I don't want to toot any of our horns too aggressively. This is a family show, but it was, what, the last episode we were recording. I believe we, maybe half-jokingly, half-seriously, as we were uh, talking about when's that transition to... Uh, trade deadline season going to begin we i think half joked half serious that ah they'll just they'll go and sweep the Dodgers this week and completely change the conversation on Thursday and uh they did they actually did it you know we can roll back the tape we did kind of say it they got the Dodgers for 3 and like Sahadev said if the Cubs could take two of these three i think uh, it doesn't change the story of a season or anything but it at least sets it up like okay Maybe maybe there's more competitiveness here. Uh, no, but I mean, I think to the extent we said it, it was more a product of baseball will do these things to you over the course of its 162-game season. Not so much that we were thinking it would happen as a product of these Cubs being a um, demonstrably better team than these Dodgers although the Dodgers have been quite in quite a slump and the Cubs didn't help them with that so you know uh, let's just let's just dive right into uh, you know what does this series mean if anything Uh, what are our reactions to it if anything and is it just a matter of buying time or is it a reminder of the talent that exists
1: yeah, I mean my my initial reaction is it's it's likely just, you know, we're just pushing off the inevitable because I don't see the Cubs being a, you know, a force in the league right now, but I think they also shut us up a little bit and and you know, let's stop the talk of sending Chris Bryant to the White Sox in in mid-May or or an early sell off, or, you know, in their minds, even any sell off, right? I think they're building confidence. They swept a, a team that started Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, and Walker Bueller. That on its own is impressive. I don't care what their offense is. They swept that team that started those three pitchers. It reminds me of. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> it reminds me of that Mets series in 2015. He is so shocked.
0: Yeah. Folks, he just he could not. He said the words. And his body rejected them. (laughs) He's like, there's no way this team beat these three pitchers in a row. Uh, I
1: I mean... uh I remember the fear that everyone had heading into that Mets series in 2015 with the pitchers that they were lining up in the regular season and the Cubs swept them and then they swept them again in New York. Maybe maybe that's how it went if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not saying they're they're going to win 97 games like 2015. I'm not saying they're going to shock the world, but they've made some real corrections on offense. This is a different offense than the one that we saw in the first few weeks and not in the way that we expected it to get better where just the superstars are just slugging and and they're still you know that flawed offense. They're a different offense uh, with Jake Mariznick and Matt Duffy really doing some damage in in different ways. And I I don't know if that means anything going forward. Really, Nico Horner as well. I should I should mention him, uh, but. It's 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 good for their confidence. That's I think that's the biggest thing here. They now are starting to believe once again uh, what they can be, who they are. They they they've always believed in themselves, but I think you need results as well. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, and seeing them beating the big bad Dodgers is, is meaningful.
2: I mean, the Cubs swept the defending World Series champs, and they swept the like reigning off season champs in the Mets and they're still a game under 500 and I I wouldn't be totally shocked if they lose two or three of the Pirates this weekend and our next episode has a totally different tone but for the moment I'm going to you got to give them credit I mean we built up the Dodgers and with good reason and you know I still think it's going to come back to pitching like they're going to have to get Zach Davies right. I think we all trust Kyle Hendricks to figure out uh whatever was going on and get in sync mechanically. Albert Ausley is certainly a promising pitcher, but it's just that's what's gonna give this team a chance to be competitive every night. That's what it's been over the last six years here. And I you know, I think if you're a Cubs fan, you don't wanna see like a so so week against some really weak competition coming up and them talking about you know, remember the Dodgers series because that's gonna get you know really old and I think we could already like hear that happening uh on a zoom but there's no doubt there's a lot of individual talent and I think you know Jed Hoyer's front office went out and found some specific role players and to Sadev's point uh, Ross does seem to be doing a, a good job of blending some of these pieces here I think we all thought Kind of coming out of spring training, this would be a kind of a static lineup and we thought Nico Horner would make the opening day roster and he didn't. And you're seeing them kind of adapt on the fly and I I think you got to give them credit for that too.
0: Yeah, I think that's really the most interesting point to come out of the last week or so is that the way the offense has been adjusting and succeeding is, uh, like Sahadev said, it's less about guys becoming what we would expect them to be because frankly what we'd expect a lot of these guys to be is hit and miss both literally and figuratively i mean they're going to be up and down uh whereas it's just been weird that guys like matt duffy and jake Marisnik have felt like steadying presences um sort of well you know what no i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid what i was gonna say you know career role players and i i want to stick on them for just for a moment and ask and pose Something that I've been kicking around my head, and I don't know where I really land, so I'm curious your guys' thoughts. Um, Okay, so both Duffy and Marisnyk, 30-year-old players who at times in their past were regulars, regulars considered to have some nice upside to be regulars for a while, and for reasons of injury or role or whatever it was, didn't really get into that, you know, from their age 26 to 29 period, right? So the Cubs bring them in to be role players, to be bench guys. And at the moment, their performance is sort of raising the question of, okay, so do these when everybody's healthy, do these two guys start displacing starts that otherwise would have gone to, among others, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, Jock Peterson, because there's not going to be starts for everybody at the level that you would have expected. Me, David Bodie, I meant to include there. Because it's like, okay, well, there already was going to be a crunch, right? When Nico was up at the same time that Jock Peterson returned. Well, you want both of them starting every day. But also you want David Bodie starting every day. Are we just going to say after one month, that's done? Because now Duffy and or have to rotate in more regularly? Or... Do Duffy and Marisnyk kind of head back into being guys that play every day against lefties, but they sit more of the time? I tend to think, you know, my gut says, at least with respect to Matt Duffy, we're probably going to see him almost every day for a while. Uh, you know, he doesn't get slotted into the three-hole when he did, unless David Ross is very much a believer in him continuing to be this sort of just line drive, steady presence the, the guy he actually when he's been healthy has shown he is in the big leagues i don't know how you manage that and i don't know how it's going to shake out and i know these things have a way of answering themselves that's the old expression but what has to happen for you to say oh i think maybe these two guys do have to start displacing other guys starting spots
1: if they continue to do what they're doing I, well I don't know what has to happen I, I can tell you what has happened and that's the offense is completely transformed I, so I just looked something up and and you know this is going to be in a piece Patrick and I are working on but I'll, I'll give the podcast listeners a sneak preview here first 16 games of the season Duffy had one start Marisnyk had three the Cubs against fastballs were 21st in the league according to Woba contact rate was 29th in the league batting average 30th weighted runs created 29th okay that's one start and three starts for Duffy and Marisnik. Last 15 games, 10 starts, nine starts for Duffy and Marisnik. They are 13th in contact rate. Not great, but average, right? You can survive with that if you're hitting for power and, and doing the rest, right? Against uh, against fastballs, their WOA is fourth in all of baseball. Batting average, sixth. Weighted runs created second. It's a completely different offense. Now, the day after that, that started on April 21st. The day after that, Nico was called up. So it's Nico, Duffy, and Marisnick. It's really those three guys. It's three guys that are a completely different type of offensive players than what the Cubs have had. And we talked about this during their really rough struggles where they never replaced Dexter Fowler and Ben Zobrist. I don't know if Matt Duffy and Jake Marisnick are Dexter Fowler and – and uh Ben Zobrist they're not right it's unfair to put that on them (laughs) we've already established better you think Nico Horner yes (laughs) but Ben Zobrist is Nico Horner like (laughs) but I I think it just goes to show that this this team has really struggled to replace those types of players I don't know if they're going to be playing every day but I think they need regular playing time until it stops working and Here's another point. We've, we've talked about this as well all offseason. For years now, the Cubs have looked at other teams that take players that either are, oh, this guy's pretty good but not great, or this guy's eh, he has been below average, he's disappointed, or I've never even heard of this guy, and then all of a sudden they – they turn them into regulars really good regulars whether it's all-stars mvp candidates or just really impactful players that are catalysts for that specific team you look at the a's the yankees uh astros other teams there's there's numerous other teams i I'm, I'm i can't think of off the top of my head that do this that take the dodgers that take players that aren't great and turn them into above average players because of development or giving them regular playing time or tweaking something smaller just a little bit of luck right i don't know if that's what's happening with maris Nick, and duffy i'm not ready to say that with either of them Uh, But but it's clearly impacted this offense significantly and completely turned around the way the offense looks. We'll see if it's more than a two-week thing.
2: (laughs) I do think there's something to what you're saying, though, Brett, of like this – I think this era of anointing young Cubs players is just over and that we saw the Dodgers and the Rays in the World Series last year, these teams that, you know, try to find, you know, every fraction – of an advantage and have these platoon systems. And obviously the Cubs, you know, will look at matchups and, you know, swing pass and reverse splits, all that stuff. But I, I think it's kind of healthy to, you know, you know, not be reading Jock Peterson's Players Tribune essay and be like, okay, we're going to give you – obviously you have to make certain – um you know, promises to players or kind of just be straight with them. But, you know, I think this f- first month plus has shown the value in that. Maybe, you know, it's not that they're immediately, immediately just going to, like, bench him and totally turn him into platoon player, but it's, you know, if it was maybe once a week a day off, it becomes, like, two days a week. And then all of a sudden you look at this matchup and, oh, is your wrist, you know, not feeling that great? Well, let's give you a day here. You know, it's a long season. And I think that's what Ross is kind of doing here, and and I think he'll – continue to do that because you know I mean this team just flat looked you know just broken earlier this year that wasn't us overreacting like this is just like um like the worst case scenario in like every phase of the game and I don't think they need to like overthink this here and be like well Ian Hap, you were you know a first round pick like six years ago and you know here it is like it's yours like no give him spots to build up his confidence uh and may find his his swing, you know, move guys around, but I think the static lineup we thought we were going to get in spring training is is gone.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think all of that is fair. I think it's 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 tough to feel like guys like Hap and Bodie and Peterson to some extent could lose playing time after just a month and a less you know, what a month and a half, not even, of like some struggles, some fluky stuff with Bodie in particular. I mean, he's dang it, it just frustrates me because it's like you dig into his numbers, he's hitting the ball very well. He's it's just he has not had the results and and yet it's one thing to displace a guy because he doesn't have the numbers. It's another to displace him because you had an opportunity to see some other guys and they're doing exactly what you want them to do. And I think or I would hope that's an easier sales pitch in the clubhouse for some of these guys because winning Winning does need to be the salve to all right now for this group. And um, like we've said, it's it's pretty hard to justify it, returning things to a status quo that wasn't working, um, particularly when, I don't know, it feels to me a little bit, I'm not trying to exaggerate here, but a little bit like we're getting a taste of finally the antidote to our offense broke, you know, three years ago, the the quote from Theo Epstein. Um and, you know, I do want to mention one thing, by the way. Do you know who should get a lot of credit to for for Nico being able to do what he's doing, Marisnyk getting the playing time he's getting, and Matt Duffy in particular getting the playing time he's getting? You know who gets the credit for that? It's Chris Bryant. You know who hasn't started at third base in like two weeks? Chris Bryant. And if he's not able to go play in the outfield, play first base last night, you're not able to coordinate all this. You're just not able to get the starts for all the guys that you want. And so, uh, you know, to be doing that as he's always done and producing offensively at a level that's commensurate with his MVP performance. I mean, I just you you can't praise that enough
1: because there's are not a lot of guys that can do that. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't noticed him uh, you know, make any big mistakes in the outfield either in fact that that play that basically saved the game yesterday was started by him by playing that ball off the wall I when I think it was a Max Muncie double if I'm remembering correctly right I mean that to me that was like the game's over that's going to score two runs because I mean how is Bryant going to play that off the the Ivy well like I didn't like I wasn't even like ripping him in my mind I was just thinking I'm like that's a hard play and I mean, obviously you need Javi to make the perfect throw. I mean, that that's probably the the plus plus play of it all, but the, the Bryant part gets overlooked because I mean he's not out there regularly and he's out there playing center field and playing a ball off the bricks and playing it really well and saving the game. Like that that's that's the type of stuff that when I taught when when we talk about uh, before the season starts, they need to be perfect on defense for this pitching staff to work. That's the type of stuff that needs to happen. Now, uh, David Bodie, how about like I I've been harsh on him on his defense for a while, and he has not made a mistake this year. Uh, for the most part, maybe early on in the year, there was one little bobble. But uh, outside of that... Yeah, I think he had one flub at second base early on. Yeah, but he's been great. I been mean, great. he deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, I mean, they, they still need to tighten up the defense overall, I think, to to carry this forward. I, I think they've figured something out with the offense. I don't know if it lasts. I really don't because it's really hard for me to just go all in on Marisnick and Duffy right now. But I, I like what I'm seeing. There's no doubt about it that it, it's a much better product... Than what it was the first few weeks uh to make this work now it's time for not only for davies and and Hendricks to get right but for the defense to not be average the defense now needs to step up and be elite like it it showed us they can and, and to your point about Bodie, i think he's going to get another week or so here to kind of get things get the results right because i mean nico going on the il is unfortunate but it, it with duffy playing well it doesn't sting as much in my opinion as it as it would have if there was nobody else playing uh, as well in the contact realm or just like you know the grinder type aspect whatever you want to call that type of player and and it, it maybe Bodie kind of finds a way to get get the results it, there were some minor signs I think but yeah I I agree with you if we're gonna compare like slow starts of uh, Ian Hap and David Bodie uh, <laughs> first of all I think it like it. it it was a. It's got to be a little frustrating, uh, for David Ross to hear Ian Happ say like talk about his ex Woba, and then uh, and then Ross almost immediately benched him after that. He uh, shouldn't call it a benching, but you know he sat down. He took him out. Of, like that ha- happened almost immediately after Ian Happ's talking about his ex Woba. I'm not saying that's why he did it. I'm just saying Ross saw things beyond ex Woba that were like, no, this isn't working. Yeah, well,
0: well, in in fairness to. All three of them, I guess, including you as one of the three. It was like he, he ha- said that, and it was statistically justified at that moment. But it was like, as soon as he said that, the next like three games or so, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was connected or whatever. He looked just lost. Like he was just staring at pitches right down the pipe. He was. F- kind of just flailing through some of those high ones like he did when, you know, his pre Iowa trip a couple of years ago. Um, and it did make me, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because it did make me wonder, is there a relationship? This is kind of an interesting topic too. Like the relationship between when a guy is not getting results, when he's got a good process and then his mental game where you're like trying not to reinforce bad thoughts about what you should be doing at the plate. And now you add this other layer of like, well, other dudes are just earning playing time. I don't know genuinely how you make sure that like Ian Hap stays in the right headspace. If he's going to be more of a reserve type now for a while, ditto David Bodie who, who would like won this job. It was like, we really want to see what we have in you. We want to give you the shot. And then just some fluky shit happens. And it's like, eh, you're kind of not going to have that shot now. How do you keep those guys Headspace in the right place. Again, winning probably plays a big part of that, but uh the last thing you want is a guy up there in his one start of the week pressing all to hell and just making things worse.
2: Well I think Sahadev made a good point. We were talking in the press box the other night of how uh you know Mr. X Woba versus how um Ross talks about Duffy as he's a baseball player man which is like obvious but he likes how he's well-rounded and just like the little things that he does and at the same time Ian Happ is like a top 10 draft pick talent who's put up some really impressive numbers in the majors you probably give him some run uh there are times where it feels like the Cubs are kind of forcing Bodie into this like everyday idea as a way to kind of like pound their chest as a player development success story that's like my kind of from a distance read on that it just kind of like how i have no evidence of that that's just like a gut feeling and i do think it's noticeable that you know when wilson Contreras, uh i believe it was last week is talking about hey we need nico horner in the lineup every day we want him around like he makes winning plays and i'd imagine the pitcher is really like jake Marisnik playing center field so it's not just about like the feelings of one player whose playing time might be decreased it's star players like anthony rizzo sitting in the zoom room saying like jed deserves credit for finding the exact right complementary players who are totally fitting in and doing exactly what we need like david ross has a a lot of egos and personalities to to manage with this that go beyond, you know, just one guy who wants more ABs.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: Yeah, really good point, because there is so much of an interrelationship there among the players and to the pitchers, and this ties back to the point that Sahadev was making, that if the Cubs are going to have success, capital S, success going forward, it's going to require not only these offensive changes that we're talking about, it's going to require elite defense, precisely because this team was not built to have excellent starting pitching. like it It was built to have hopefully passable starting pitching, and I think that that's been still the outstanding question and issue over the past week plus even as we've we've liked what we've seen in the evolution of the offense um I think seeing Kyle Hendricks have a great start this week was great uh I I felt like I was on an island but maybe you guys saw it too I thought Zach Davies looked the best that he's looked this weekend I mean I think he only went like four innings and the results were so so but he was like actually locating his sinker for the first time this year. So I I really think he might be on the cusp of at least being himself. Um, The Jake Arrieta thumb cut thing is sort of interesting because it, on the one hand, I can throw out the terrible outing in Cincinnati and say, "Ah, I was trying to pitch through something he shouldn't have. And when he's, when that's better, he can just go back to being steady. Um, Obviously Trevor Williams had a real rough go, but you know, that happens to a lot of guys in Cincinnati And then, Albert continues to be this, um, you know, Rich Harden-esque, if I'm going to throw back to the the Wayback Machine, guy who really can bring it for four or five innings, and then, for whatever reason, right now, his ability to stay within himself and in his mechanics and in his execution around that 80 pitch mark, it just sort of leaves him a bit, and the Cubs are protecting him for that reason. So, again, I find myself in that middle ground where I'm like, I can see this being a competent rotation, Uh, But they've shown me enough the last few weeks to be not necessarily more concerned than I was before, but more assured that, yeah, that defense is really going to need to be exceptional because they're going to need that support behind them.
1: Yeah. A couple things that, that I wanted to touch on with what you just said, Alzelay, every single time I watch him, I start to like wonder like, what exactly do the Cubs have here? Because this is, He's really good at times. Like this is dominant at times against good lineups. It's starting to be. It's, it's starting to get very intriguing. You're right. It's it's Rich Harden-esque in the sense that he's starting to. I, I want to see him. I want to see if he can be a six-seven inning guy. But even if he can't, if depending on rule changes and and stuff like that going forward, uh, they've found a really intriguing pitching weapon. Right. I don't know how to deploy him exactly. What there how how you get creative there? If he's a four or five inning guy, it's a little different. You have to you have to find ways to make that work with your bullpen and everything. Uh, but but that also brings me to Davies. You talked about how it was only four innings. I, I was looking at some of his his best runs as a pitcher, like stretches of pitching, best starts. They're like four or five inning outings. They're not he he's not going six, seven, eight a ton when he's at his best. They're four or five inning outings. He's keeping them to one or two runs. He's not dominant. He's just getting through the lineup twice and, and keeping them down. I wonder if that you know, that may have a lot to do with being a two pitch guy for the most part and, and that works. Last and, year and being was on the, just a tick under and
0: being yeah. on the Brewers for a lot of that where that was Yes. Like that's, that's a big Craig Council thing,
1: uh, yeah, which has worked and, for them. And if it works, it works, right? I mean, Ross isn't afraid. We we just talked about how Ross like can kind of poo poo the ex Woba stuff. I, I think it's it's less about him not caring about that stuff and more about just like man, I want results. That's what I'm looking for. Just go out and play baseball and get me results, uh, and and I'll be happy with. It. If you want to look at your ex Woba, go for it. <laughs> but but go out there and perform. I think that's his ultimate point. I want people that go out there and play and get results and know what, what to do on the field and not overthink all these numbers. And I, I totally appreciate that, especially as someone that really appreciates those numbers and loves looking and diving into them. I love the way Ross talks about it because it is a game and it is about results. There's at a certain point we have to like stop with all the nonsense and just say, like, go out and do your job and get wins and get results. But I, I think like just with Davies, with Alzali, he's got... This is this is going to really show us what type of manager he is as well. How creative can you get? Craig Council gets so much love for the way he's able to maneuver his, his pitching staff. He's got some talent here now. Ross does. I, I like it's it's intriguing in a certain way with Alzelay. What what is what can you do with Davies to maximize that? And, and also. I guess minimize the damage against uh, against him is it is he a four inning guy a five inning guy and that's it and you have to pull the plug on him quickly because it it that third time through he's just going to get knocked around that was the remember that was we used to talk about this a lot with Kyle Hendricks three four years ago right maybe more than that but that's not Kyle Hendricks anymore when he's at when he's right I, I just think Little things like that I, I find intriguing. I don't know if that makes them a, a better than what we thought they are. I, I still think there's a lot of work to do here, but but I think uh, this is a nice test for David Ross, the manager.
2: Just a final thing on Owsley, too. It was, weird, it was close to midnight uh, on Wednesday, <laughs> heading into Thursday morning there. Uh, and the Cubs disclosed that Owsley felt dizzy for about 20 seconds. His vision went blurry for about Five seconds. Uh, Adbert says he's fine. Uh, got checked out by the medical training staff uh, and that he wasn't going to go out for the sixth inning anyway. He was at that 79 pitch kind of threshold to where he kind of seems to lose it. But uh, a really weird, potentially scary issue. Uh, Ross seemed to think that he's fine, but that's going to be another thing to monitor here as a Cubs and try to build him up into something more than kind of uh, Rich Hill, which is really valuable, but to be that like frontline reliable starting pitcher that they've spent so many years trying to develop internally. Um, just kind of one more weird variable. Uh, hopefully Adbert's, you know, fine. Like they said.
0: Yeah, no, that's, um, that's a good point. Whether related to, the endurance questions that we talk about or whether it was a one-off dehydration, who
2: knows, whatever you issue. You made it but sound it like the, too much that- adrenaline kind of went to his head, something like that. Okay. I mean, these things happen, but it was just kind of a weird uh, subplot to the night last night.
0: And that, yeah, the questions about his, his length in games also relate to to how much they're going to be able to deploy him this year you know when it comes to the innings total that we've kind of gotten away from talking about that a little bit but that's going to pop back up for not just him but for a lot of guys in the second half um all right well i think we can leave it there I, you know i think we if if i can if i give you guys some some applause here i think you did a good job of not taking too much away from that uh, one series against the dodgers and including with some fluky stuff rules stuff and uh extra innings that can go either way but also appropriately acknowledging that uh you know the cubs have shown us some things and it isn't just this one series it's you know they were coming off that horrible road trip yes but i kind of saw some things that i was liking and i think that's it's fair to kind of float in the middle on a lot of this stuff right now because it's early there's i need like a tick counter to how many times we've said (laughs) it's early on the podcast but uh it's still true and this is a team that was like gonna float in the middle <laughs> you know like no offense we've been saying this stuff since January it was just kind of how this team was built and so we'll we'll keep floating along with them and we will be back with you folks uh, early next week for our next episode of to Waveland it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic I am Brett Taylor you can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation that's Hot of Sharma and Patrick Mooney get their stuff at The Athletic we appreciate you all listening so much rate, review, subscribe, get us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we look forward to talking at you soon.